Welcome to Aunt Blanche's Story Corner. I'm so glad you've chosen to join me today in my special reading place. To come into my cozy magic story corner, you need two things. Ears, ready to listen carefully, and your imagination, so that you'll be able to visualize the stories that I read as I share them with you. Our first story is about a little girl named Lucy and an interesting little lady that she meets named Mrs. Tiggywinkle. The author, Beatrix Potter, loves to write about the little animals that she enjoyed seeing around the farms and fields of England. In her imagination, they are all people. Keep that in mind as you listen to The Tale of Mrs. Tiggywinkle by Beatrix Potter. Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Lucy, who lived at a farm called Littletown. She was a good little girl, only she was always losing her pocket handkerchiefs. One day, little Lucy came into the farmyard crying. Oh, she did cry so. I've lost my pocket handkin, three handkins, and an apron. Have you seen them, Tabby Kitten? The kitten went on washing her white paws, so Lucy asked a speckled hen, "'Sally, Henny Penny, have you found three pocket handkins?' But the speckled hen ran into a barn, clucking, "'I go barefoot, barefoot, barefoot.' And then Lucy asked Cock Robin, sitting on a twig, Cock Robin looked sideways at Lucy with his bright black eye, and he flew over a stile and away. Lucy climbed upon the stile and looked up at the hill behind Little Town, a hill that goes up, up into the clouds, as though it had no top. And a great way up the hillside, she thought she saw some white things spread upon the grass. Lucy scrambled up the hill as fast as her stout legs would carry her. She ran along a steep pathway, up and up, until Little Town was right away down below. She could have dropped a pebble down the chimney. Presently, she came to a spring, bubbling out from a hillside. Someone had stood a tin can upon a stone to catch the water. But the water was already running over, for the can was no bigger than an egg cup. And where the sand upon the path was wet, there were footmarks of a very small person. Lucy ran on and on. The path ended under a big rock. The grass was short and green, and there were clothes, props, cut from bracken stems, with lines of plaited rushes, and a heap of tiny clothespins, but no pocket handkerchiefs. But there was something else, a door straight into the hill, and inside it someone was singing, Lily white and clean, oh, with little frills between, oh, smooth and hot, red rusty spot, never here be seen, oh. Lucy knocked once, twice, and interrupted the song. A 
A little frightened voice called out, Who's that? Lucy opened the door. And what do you think there was inside the hill? A nice clean kitchen with a flagged floor and wooden beams, just like any other farm kitchen. Only the ceiling was so low that Lucy's head nearly touched it, and the pots and pans were small, and so was everything there. There was a nice, hot, singy smell. And at the table, with an iron in her hand, stood a very stout, short person, staring anxiously at Lucy. Her print gown was tucked up, and she was wearing a large apron over her striped petticoat. Her little black nose went sniffle, sniffle, snuffle, and her eyes went twinkle, twinkle, and underneath her cap, where Lucy had yellow curls, that little person had prickles. Who are you? said Lucy. Have you seen my pocket handkins? The little person made up Bob curtsy. Oh, yes, if you please, ma'am. My name is Mrs. Tiggywinkle. Oh, yes, if you please, ma'am. I'm an excellent washerwoman. And she took something out of a clothes basket and spread it on the ironing blanket. What's that thing? asked Lucy. That's not my pocket, Hankin. Oh, no, if you please, ma'am. It is a little scarlet waistcoat belonging to Cock Robin. And she ironed it and folded it and put it on one side. Then she took something else off a clothes horse. That isn't my apron said Lucy. Oh, no, if you please, ma'am. That's a damask tablecloth belonging to Jenny Wren. Look how it's stained with currant wine. It's very hard to wash, said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. Mrs. Tiggywinkle's nose went sniffle, sniffle, snuffle, and her eyes went twinkle, twinkle, and she fetched another hot iron from the fire. "'There's one of my pocket handkins,' cried Lucy, "'and there's my apron.' Mrs. Tiggywinkle ironed it and shook out the frills. "'Oh, it is lovely,' said Lucy. "'And what are those long yellow things with fingers like gloves?' "'Oh, that's a pair of stockings belonging to Sally Hennypenny.' "'Look how she's worn the heels out with scratching in the yard. "'She'll very soon go barefoot,' said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. "'Why, there's another handkerchief. "'But it isn't mine. It's red?' "'Oh, no, if you please, ma'am. "'That one is, is one that belongs to old Mrs. Rabbit, "'and it did so smell of onions. "'I've had to wash it separately.' I can't get out the smell. There's another one of mine, said Lucy. What are those funny little white things? That's a pair of mittens belonging to Tabby Kitten. I only have to iron them. She washes them herself. There's my last pocket, Hankin, said Lucy. And what are you dipping into the basin of starch? They're little dicky shirt fronts belonging to Tom Titmouse. "'Most terrible particular,' said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. "'Now I've finished my ironing. "'I'm going to air some clothes.'
"'What are these dear, soft, fluffy things?' said Lucy. "'Oh, those are woolly coats belonging to the little lambs at Skagel. "'Will their jackets take off?' asked Lucy. "'Oh, yes, if you please, ma'am. "'Look at the sheep mark on the shoulder. "'And here's one from Gatesgarth, "'and three that come from Littletown. "'They're always marked at washing,' said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. And she hung up all sorts and sizes of clothes, small brown coats of mice, and one velvety black moleskin waistcoat, and a red tailcoat with no tail belonging to Squirrel Nutkin, and a very much shrunk blue jacket belonging to Peter Rabbit, and a petticoat not marked that had gone lost in the washing. And at last, the basket was empty. Then Mrs. Tiggywinkle made tea, a cup for herself and a cup for Lucy. They sat before the fire on a bench and looked sideways at one another. Mrs. Tiggywinkle's hand, holding the teacup, was very, very brown and very, very wrinkly with the soap suds. And all through her gown and her cap, there were hairpins sticking wrong and out, so that Lucy didn't like to sit too near her. But it still looked very nice. So, when they had finished tea, they tied up the clothes in bundles, and Lucy's pocket handkerchiefs were folded up inside her clean apron and fastened with a silver safety pin. And they made up the fire with turf and came out and locked the door and hid the key under the door sill. Then, away down the hill, trotted Lucy and Mrs. Tiggywinkle with the bundles of clothes. All the way down the path, little animals came out of the fern to meet them. The very first that they met were Peter Rabbit and Benjamin Bunny, and she gave them their nice clean clothes, and all the little animals and birds were so very much obliged to hear Mrs. Tiggywinkle. So that at the bottom of the hill, when they came to the stile, there was nothing left to carry except Lucy's one little bundle. Lucy scrambled up the stile with the bundle in her hand, and then she turned to say good night to thank the washerwoman. But what a very odd thing! Mrs. Tickywinkle had not waited either for thanks or for the washing bill. She was running, running, running up the hill. And where was her white frilled cap? And her shawl? And her gown? And her petticoat? And how small she had grown, and how brown, and covered with prickles. Why, Mrs. Tickywinkle was nothing but a hedgehog. Now, some people say that little Lucy had been asleep upon the stile. But then how could she have found three clean pocket handkins and an apron pinned with a silver safety pin? And besides, I have seen that door into the back of the hill called Catbells. And besides, I am very well acquainted with dear Mrs. 
Tiki Winkle. Now, I would like to share another Beatrix Potty story with you. This one is the tale of two bad mice. Once upon a time, there was a very beautiful doll's house. It was red brick with white windows, and it had real muslin curtains and a front door and a chimney. It belonged to two dolls called Lucinda and Jane. At least it belonged to Lucinda, but she never ordered meals. Jane was the cook, but she never did any cooking, because the dinner had been brought ready-made in a box full of shavings. There were two red lobsters and a ham, a fish, a pudding, and some pears and oranges. They would not come off the plates, but they were extremely beautiful. One morning, Lucinda and Jane had gone out for a drive in the doll's carriage. There was no one in the nursery, and it was very quiet. Presently, there was a little scuffling, scratching noise in a corner near the fireplace, where there was a hole under the skirting board. Tom Thumb put out his head for a moment and then popped it in again. Tom Thumb was a mouse. A minute afterwards, Hunkamunka, his wife, put her head out too, and when she saw that there was no one in the nursery, she ventured out on the oilcloth under the coal box. The doll's house stood at the other end of the fireplace. Tom Thumb and Hunkamunka went cautiously across the hearth rug. They pushed the front door. It was not fast. Tom Thumb and Hunkamunka went upstairs and peeped into the dining room. Then they squeaked with joy. Such a lovely dinner was laid out on the table. There were tin spoons and lead knives and forks and two dolly chairs, all so convenient. Tom Thumb set to work at once to carve the ham. It was a beautiful shiny yellow streaked with red. The knife crumpled up and hurt him. He put his finger in his mouth. It's not boiled enough, Tom said. It's hard. You have to try, Hunkamunka. Hunkamunka stood up in her chair and chopped at the ham with another lead knife. It's as hard as the hams at the cheesemongers, said Hunkamunka. Then the ham broke off the plate with a jerk and rolled under the table. Let it alone, said Tom Thumb. Give me some fish, Hunkamunka. Hunkamunka tried every tin spoon in turn. The fish was glued to the dish and none of them worked. Then Tom Thumb lost his temper. He put the ham in the middle of the floor and hit it with the tongs and with the shovel. Bang, bang, smash, smash. The ham flew all into pieces, for underneath the shiny paint, it was made of nothing but plaster. Then there was no end to the rage and disappointment of Tom Thumb and Hunkamunka. They broke up the pudding, the lobsters, the pears, and the oranges. 
As the fish would not come off the plate, they put it into the red-hot, crinkly paper fire in the kitchen, but it would not burn either. Tom Thumb went up the kitchen chimney and looked out at the top. There was no soot. While Tom Thumb was up the chimney, Hunkamunka had another disappointment. She found some tiny canisters upon the dresser labeled rice, coffee, sugar. But when she turned them upside down, there was nothing inside except red and blue beads. Then those mice set to work to do all the mischief they could, especially Tom Thumb. He took Jane's clothes out of the chest of drawers in her bedroom, and he threw them out the top floor window. But Hunkamunka had a frugal mind. After pulling half the feathers out of Lucindo's pillow, she remembered that she herself was in want of a feather bed. With Tom Thumb's assistance, she carried the pillow downstairs and across the hearth rug. It was difficult to squeeze the bolster into the mouse hole, but they managed it somehow. Then Hunkamunka went back and fetched a chair, a bookcase, a birdcage, and several small odds and ends. The bookcase and the birdcage refused to go into the mouth hole. Hunkamunka left them behind the coal box and went to fetch a cradle. Hunkamunka was just returning with another chair when suddenly there was a noise of talking upon the landing. The mice rushed back to their hole, and the dolls came into the nursery. What a sight met the eyes of Jane and Lucinda. Lucinda sat upon the upset kitchen stove and stared, and Jane leaned against the kitchen dresser and smiled, but neither of them made any remark. The bookcage and the birdcage were rescued from under the coal box. But Hunkamunka has got the cradle and some of Lucinda's clothes. She also has some useful pots and pans and several other things. The little girl that the doll's house belonged to said, I will get a doll dressed like a policeman. But the nurse said, I will set a mouse trap." So that is the story of two bad mice. But they were not so very, very naughty after all, because Tom Thumb paid for everything he broke. He found a crooked sixpence under the hearthrug, and upon Christmas Eve, he and Hunkamunka stuffed it into one of the stockings of Lucinda and Jane. And very early, every morning, before anybody is awake, Hunkamunka comes with her dustpan and her broom to sweep the dolly's house. The end. I hope you've enjoyed the third episode of Stories by Beatrix Potter in Aunt Blanche's Story Corner, and that you will join me again. 
Also, I hope you will remember that all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all.